Imposter syndrome can show up anywhere, anytime, and affect anyone. Chances are you've probably experienced it a few times, no matter how successful you've been or how successful other people have perceived you to be. Because the truth is, we're all susceptible to self-doubt and to internalizing other people's opinions of us. When you feel like a fake, it's hard to find motivation to do what you do. But the good news is that the key to conquering this mental battle is to realize that imposter syndrome does not come from our creator. My name is Sydney LaFleur Murphy and welcome to the Life at Peace podcast. This show is all about tackling the stuff that fuels our everyday demands, doubts, and dysfunction in our perpetual pursuit of peace. Get ready for deep thoughts and challenging topics, all grounded in biblical truth. Enjoy the show. This past school year at my job, as many of you know, I work at a university, so my mind is always thinking of a school calendar and I, look, I view the whole year in terms of semesters, <laughs> but this past school year, I was invited to sit on two committees that the university provost had put together. One of the committees was to revise the core curriculum, which hadn't been done in 10 years. And the core curriculum is all the classes that students have to take to get their, it's basically their, uh, their essentials, their basics, that they have to get out of the way for graduation. The second committee was to revise the first year seminar course that our incoming students have to take. So it's basically they're welcome to this college, uh, this is how we do things here, and this is how we're going to prepare you and equip you emotionally, spiritually, and in all different aspects of life. And this was a great honor. I had never had an opportunity like this in my three years of working <laughs> full-time since graduation. Uh, but the one problem that kind of permeated the whole experience was I had no idea why I had been picked <laughs> to sit on these two committees. Zero. Zero. I was so shocked by the offer to be part of the uh, first committee, the core curriculum team, that I was this close to emailing the provost to ask if there was an error. My name was in the charter. He sent out the official documents detailing what we were going to be doing, all of that stuff. And my name was right there along with 12 or 13 other faculty members that I was going to be working with. I'm not a faculty member. I've never taught I don't have that background. I've been in higher education for exactly three and a half years at this point, and there was absolutely no reason why on paper I should have been selected for that committee. Same thing with the seminar course. Again, no teaching experience. <laughs> I, I had nothing, no firsthand experience with that course, and yet my name had come up as someone that would be a valuable uh, resource, valuable uh, asset to that team. So, uh, if I'm being honest, what I did during those committee meetings was I sat and I observed and I listened and occasionally spoke up if I thought I had something worth sharing. Otherwise, just kept my mouth shut and uh, wondered what the heck I was doing there. So, what I've just described here for you guys is a lovely thing called imposter syndrome that is essentially... This constant fear, or maybe not a fear, uh, actually, yeah, that could be part of it. It's a fear that you're going to get exposed and that people are going to find out that you're really not qualified to be doing what you're doing. It's this feeling that you're really an imposter, hence the name, and that you, you don't belong in whatever space you've been put in or promoted to, and that there is some type of mistake. You're not supposed to be doing this type of work. People have got it all wrong, and there are way more people qualified 
uh, than you that could be doing and should be doing what you've been asked to do. What triggers imposter syndrome? Um, Truthfully, I don't know. (laughs) It's different from person to person. For me, it usually comes on when I'm just the stories or the examples I just gave you guys when I'm thrust into a space that's unfamiliar that I really don't think I have the experience for and that I'm honestly confused, perplexed, bewildered why I was picked of all people. And that seems to be kind of the general idea. You know, that's probably what a lot of people would say for what triggers imposter syndrome. I would honestly just boil it down to being in a new space, being in something that's uncomfortable or that's going to challenge you or stretch you in a way that you've never been stretched before. The interesting thing about imposter syndrome is that it can affect anybody, especially people that we don't think would struggle with it and we wouldn't understand why they'd uh, be dealing with that. And the Bible is full of examples of this. Specifically, I'm going to share the stories of Moses and Gideon in the Old Testament because they are two people who had extraordinary stories. Um, God used them to do just supernatural, fantastic things. But when he approached them to let them know that they were going to do those things, they really just thought he was crazy. They wanted to shrug it off and run away and tell him, God, you got the wrong people. So starting with Moses, his story is in Exodus. Chapter 4 is the part I'm going to highlight, but then also some surrounding context for you guys. In chapter 3, Moses had encountered God as a burning bush. So that's how God got his attention. He told Moses that he wanted him to be the one to deliver the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. And as part of that arrangement, Moses was going to be God's spokesperson. He was going to be the one to go to Pharaoh with the demands to let the people go. And Moses, shortly after receiving this assignment, protested. His first thought was, Lord, I'm a terrible speaker. I stutter. I have a, I, I'm nervous. I have a problem speaking. I can't do this. And then God comes back with, who made your mouth? Who made your ears? I know that you have, you know, paraphrasing at this point. God just essentially told him, I know the shortcomings that you have, the weaknesses. I don't care. I still want you to do this. And then finally, Moses, uh, he just comes back again and says, no, Lord, I'm sorry, please send someone else. And this response really makes God angry with Moses. The Bible says his anger burned against Moses. And then he said, okay, fine, we'll send your brother Aaron with you. I know he speaks well. So God made a provision in in that instance. He allowed Moses to bring Aaron along, even though that was not part of the original plan. So you can see here, very obvious, clear case of imposter syndrome with Moses. He, his first thought was to dwell on his weaknesses and just immediately dismiss any opportunity or any potential that God was trying to bring out of him because he was so confident that he, that there was no way he could, he could pull off what God was asking him to do. So that's Moses. Then we jump over to Judges and we get to Gideon's story, Judges chapter 6. So Gideon is out, I think, threshing wheat or doing something um, at his home, and an angel of God appears to him and addresses him as mighty warrior. Now, context for Gideon's story, the Midianites were oppressing the Israelites because at that point, the Israelites had, they had kept turning away from God, wanting to do their own thing. And so God just gave them over into the hands of the Midianites to oppress them and to, uh, to make them slaves just all the same stuff that he had delivered them from so many generations ago. 
And so the, they were just, the Israelites were having a horrible time. They were just being uh, brutalized and uh, life was not good. <laughs> Things were really bad at that point. So Gideon was the one that God chose to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites. He was going to strike them down. So when the angel appeared to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 15, I think it's either 15 or a few verses before this, Gideon is addressed as mighty warrior, to which he replies, you know, God, where have you been all this time? You see what's going on with our people down here. Where have you been? Why haven't you been here to help us? And so essentially that's where Gideon comes in or that's, you know, that's why God was appearing to him uh, was to let Gideon know that he's going to be the one to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites. And after Gideon receives this wonderful news, his response is to remind God that he is the least in his family and that his family's, that his tribe is the least in Manasseh. So imposter syndrome part two, (laughs) Gideon is like, no way, you got the wrong guy, I am the least. Like, he even calls himself the least in his family. He just, like, it's just a fact. <laughs> he's, he's not, it's not something that he just thinks. He just addresses it as though it's an irrevocable fact. But God doesn't let him off the hook. He reminds Gideon that he will be with him. And he, again, repeats what Gideon's going to do. He said, you're going to strike down the Midianites. So we can see a pattern here. Uh, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this saying a million times. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. (laughs) Might have heard that once or twice. The translation, it doesn't matter if you feel prepared or not. We have to lean into the opportunities that God is presenting us with. He's bringing out what he already put in us. And a few episodes back, back in season two, I did an episode on breaking down the parable of the talents. God has already put gifts and talents and potential in all of us that is waiting to be unlocked. Uh, at this point in our lives, I'm sure we've, we've all tapped into some of that potential, but if you're still living, that means there's still something in there that hasn't been brought out yet. And so when God presents us with these opportunities that seem just so out there and, and impossible and like, God, why me? You could have picked her, you could have picked him. Don't run away from that. We got to lean into it. That's the key. That's counterintuitive. It it seems counterintuitive to imposter syndrome, which just tells you to shrink back and not get yourself into into too deep of water. But we got to lean into the opportunities that God is presenting us with. You know, a lot of people mess up when they're dealing with imposter syndrome because they give in to their feelings about it. Like, oh, I'm not qualified. She's so much better at this than I am. He can do that better. Uh, she's a better leader. He's a better project manager, et cetera, et cetera, what it might be. And we give into our feelings and then we squander the opportunity or we don't fully enjoy it because we're too trapped in our little self-doubt bubble. <laughs> and we just miss the significance of the moment because we're too busy downing ourselves and when scratching our heads about why God would even approach us with an opportunity like that. But imposter syndrome doesn't come from God. God, if he's going to, if God's the one calling us to something, he's not then going to bombard our minds with these thoughts of not being able to do it or feeling like we're coming up short. That doesn't come from God. As believers, we all have a common enemy and his name is Satan. He doesn't want us to succeed at anything. Like, honestly, he wants every one of us to fail at our assignment down here, and he'll throw everything he can at us to make sure that happens. 
one of the most effective places that Satan likes to attack is our minds. If he can win the battle up here, if he can convince us to think what he's thinking about us or what he wants us to believe about ourselves, then he's won. And he he loves to send us distractions, whether those distractions are other people or our own thoughts, to keep us from doing our assignment, to keep us from succeeding at it. And our assignment, ultimately, we're all down here to glorify God, to serve him, to lead others to him. And that's going to look different from person to person because we all have uh, something different to do. But our assignments don't stay static. There's always new levels, new dimensions, uh, new places that God is taking us to. And he's going to expose us to new people, new opportunities. The point is, you know, as long as we're alive, we're going to be stretched. We're going to be challenged. We're going to be, we're going to have to grow. We're going to go through growing pains, tough seasons, difficult lessons. And that's, that's how we're ultimately going to accomplish our assignment down here. So it's not going to be from a place of comfort. And, you know, if Satan can, if we, if we let him into our minds and just uh, allow him to uh, influence, you know, our behavior, our thoughts, and, and uh, just convince us that we're not cut out for the work that God has called us to do, then he's one and we don't want that. The kingdom of God would also miss out on the contributions that you could have made if you just give in to that imposter syndrome. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh, which that'll be a topic for another episode. He's talking about the thorn in his flesh um, that, and how he wanted God to remove it. He was pleading with God, please take this away. God's response to Paul's request was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And to us, Paul writes, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This scripture is really the focal point of this imposter syndrome message because we all have a thorn in our flesh. I've heard many pastors speak about this, but it could be, well, I mean, I don't, I, it could be all anything really. It could be a sickness, a disease. It could be a temperament, a, a propensity to, to do certain things. Just we all have unique challenges and things that um, something about our lives or our personality or our thinking that's just not quite right. <laughs> of course, we were all born into sin and, and uh, wrestle with our sin natures, our flesh day to day, but everyone's challenge looks different. And so Paul specifically highlights his weakness in this passage, and he just talks about how he will boast all the more gladly in his weakness, because when he does that, the power of Christ can rest on him even that much more strongly. And with imposter syndrome, you can really think of it as your weaknesses being highlighted, if you will. Now, hear me out. When you feel like you're not qualified to do something, there's usually some sense of insecurity there that you you, know, you feel like maybe if you're called to speak on a topic, you feel like you lack the knowledge about it. You don't feel like you're prepared enough or have enough experience. If you're called to lead a project or, or come up with some idea for your company, again, maybe you just don't feel like you think on that level and you're like, why would I be picked for something like that? That's something that so-and-so should do. I mean, look at their credentials, look at their resume, look at whatever. And so... Imposter syndrome really is, it's, it's so human of us to experience it because 
it's an area where we feel vulnerable. It's an area where we feel our weaknesses are going to be exposed. We think we're going to be, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we think we're going to be found out by someone that we're going to be doing our job and all, and then all of a sudden, oh, I knew it. Yeah. Why did we pick her for that? We, we're just waiting. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. But then just going back to this scripture where God's power is made perfect in weakness. This is why God isn't dissuaded from using broken people or people who consider themselves the least or who have a lowly view of themselves. This is why God's not dissuaded from using them to accomplish his purposes, his, his will. And this is why believers have the ability to conquer imposter syndrome. We don't have to give into it. This is where our power comes from, where we can lean into it and embrace the season that God has us walking into or the new task or assignment he has given us. So are you the most qualified on paper? Maybe not. Are there other people that could do a better job than you? Probably. But for whatever reason, God has chosen you to do what he's given you. He wants your personality. He wants your thought, your your opinions, your input, your ideas. God judges the heart. He does not judge the outward appearance. So be, just because someone looks like they're more qualified, more suited, or more far, further along than you doesn't mean that they'd be the best person for the job. And besides all this, we really just have no idea what God is preparing for us. He doesn't waste any of our experiences, and he has a funny way of tying everything together in time. So just trust him. When Next time you feel like you're in an impossible situation or like you're being called to do something that is really out of your wheelhouse or so you think, just think about the fact that God's preparing you for something down the road. You can't see it yet. You don't know what gifts, what potential he's trying to bring out of you. But lean into that and you'll be better for it. All right. Well, that wraps everything up. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode. Follow me on social media if you haven't already. Life at Peace underscore podcast on Instagram. Life at Peace podcast on Facebook and YouTube. And I will be back with you guys next time for a new episode. Send me your suggestions, questions, comments, anything that you want me to address in future episodes. And in the meantime, y'all have an awesome week. Peace.